Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and today is episode 10. We are on episode 10 of Jake's Takes. Kind of crazy, kind of crazy. I started this now January 22nd, something like that, and now it's March 2nd. Hard to believe, hard to believe, and now we got episode 10. Crazy, crazy. I took a little break, um, about like a week and a half break. Just, there wasn't too much going on in sports. Uh, The NFL just ended, and that NBA was on a break for all-star break. So there wasn't too much to talk about, and it was a nice break to have. But I'm back. Don't worry. I'm back. And today we're going to discuss some NBA and some college basketball. It's March, so we're going to have to get into some college basketball today. But we're going to start out with some NBA. We're going to talk some of the contenders. We'll talk a little bit about the Cavs. We'll talk a little bit about the Celtics. A little bit about the Suns, too, because Kevin Durant just played last night. So that'll be interesting. And then we'll switch over. We'll talk some college basketball. We'll talk mostly the contenders. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit the Alabama situation and Brandon Miller, just because it has some implications on the NBA draft. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But should be a loaded podcast. Should be fun. It's all basketball today. And Jake's Takes Episode 10 is going to start in a few I'm going to cue the music. All right. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Jake Masucci, and let's get started. Let's get started. We're going to talk NBA to start. It's going to be, last night we had a good game. It was Cavs and Celtics, and I was able to catch the second half most of this game. Um, I rewatched a little bit this morning, and this was a really good game. Um, I mean, it wasn't really what it lived up to be. Uh, I talked about it a lot on the last podcast that I thought these two teams would be a really good matchup for the Cavs, and after this game, I'm a little nervous, not going to lie, a little nervous. Um, I knew right after I was watching this, I was like, I got to get back and talk about this game because I just said that this would be an unbelievable matchup for the Cavs. And the Celtics just exploited that completely. The Celtics were unbelievable. They shot lights out last night. Absolutely lights out. Lights out. They shot 50% from three, 16 for 32, which is ridiculous. And they also shot 50% from the field, 39 for 78. And it's very difficult to compete if you're the Cavs and the Celtics are shooting like that. It's just unbelievable. I turned on the game and the Celtics were up by like 20. And I was like, geez, they're they're flowing. And a guy, two guys for the Celtics that really stood out were Al Horford and Jason Tatum. These guys were unbelievable. Al Horford had maybe the game of his life because he was he was going crazy. Guy was eight for 10, six for eight from three. And he started out the game eight for eight and six for six from three. He was unbelievable. I I really do like Al Horford. He's been around for a long time. He was a very good center for the Hawks for a while. And he's also, you know, he's just a good presence to have inside. And I like him a lot, but he's still ridiculous. Like, this guy can defend, he can switch, he can shoot. Like, he's perfect for the Celtics. He's just a perfect center, you know? Like, move his feet a little bit. He's perfect for the style of the NBA. I really like Al Horford, and he showed up last night, 23-11 and 11 with that shooting, which is unbelievable, flat-out unbelievable. If you can spread the floor like that, in the NBA, it's just dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. He had an unbelievable game. And the thing is, is the bigs for the Celtics are going to be the main things for this game. Um, They had a mic'd up thing on ESPN of Jalen Brown throughout the whole game. And throughout the whole first half, Jalen Brown's like rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. 
And it, like, it was just so huge to them. They knew they had to control the glass in order to win, win this game. And that was the thing that I came into the game thinking Cleveland would have the advantage on because they have two bigs that are really good uh, in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And to be honest with you, I didn't really see too much from these two. Uh, I thought Allen showed a little bit more impact than Mobley in the second half, at least. Um, you saw a couple block shots from Allen in the second half. But Mobley, he didn't do too much. I mean, he ended up with 12 and 13, but he was 6 of 15 from the floor. And for a big, that's not great. That's not great. You want to be shooting like 50% from the field at least if you're a big, and he just didn't look good. He didn't look that good. Rebounding, you take that. You take that. He was much better on the glass than Jared Allen. And um, defensively, you could tell that it was just a struggle for him. Like, he had to be everywhere. And the thing with Mobley that people were so, like, in on was the fact that he could be everywhere. But he really struggled to get out to the shooter of Al Horford because they'd have him on the pick and rolls. They'd have him stay for a little bit and then like close out late. And without Horford last night, it wasn't working. It just wasn't working. That guy was hitting everything he was taking. So it was really difficult for Mobley to like really step up and take Al Horford. And Al Horford just had his way with him. And then Robert Williams, Robert Williams looked unbelievable, like flat out unbelievable. He had 11 and 11, four or four from the floor. And he was just a beast. Like, you could tell the physicality of him. Just so impactful for Boston on the defensive end and the offensive end. Just flat out. He's he's an unbelievable piece for Boston. And he showed it last night. He flat out showed it. He was incredible. Marcus Smart struggled a little bit. was 3 of 11 from the floor. And Jalen Brown wasn't crazy. I mean, he had 16 points and 6 of 15. But the story of the game for the Celtics was Jason Tatum. This guy was in a little bit of a rut the past few games. He did have the game winner against Philly. I think that was Saturday. I think it was Saturday. Um, but he only had 18 points, and then he had another lower scoring game the next game. Um, but this guy really showed up today. He was terrific. Guy had 41 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Unbelievable. Like, Left and right, this guy was hitting shots. And the thing is, like, they were kind of cooking Evan Mobley in the pick and roll. But if you're Mobley, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? Because if you go to one guy, if you go to Tatum, then Tatum's going to kick it to Al Horford, and Al Horford's going to hit a three because he's having the game of his life. If you don't go to Tatum, Tatum's going to just step back and hit another three. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? He was ridiculous, flat out ridiculous, easily an MVP candidate. Unbelievable. But the thing is with Cleveland, and this is why I'm not retracting anything I said about Cleveland, because I was actually, in fact, more impressed with Cleveland last night. And that was because of the play of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. These guys were unbelievable, unbelievable, man. Um, Mitchell did not quit at all. Like, Every time you saw Tatum hit a tough mid-range shot or Al Horford hit a tough three, you're like, oh, Celtics are about to pull away. It's going to be over. No, Mitchell showed up, man. Flat out showed up. This guy was hitting shot after shot after shot. And he was getting in the lane, too. Like, it was really, it was really just Mitchell putting on a master class of speed and just getting past people, getting to the lane and finishing at the rim. It was flat out incredible. And in the th mid midway through the third quarter, he got switched. I think Tatum switched onto him, and he twisted his ankle and got hurt. And I was like, "Oh!" Right as I'm watching, and Mitchell's having such a great game, they're gonna lose Mitchell. What what's gonna happen? Like, is this gonna be bad? Is this gonna hurt the Cavs? What's gonna happen? But Mitchell came back into the game right after the timeout that Cleveland called. He came back into the game and was just flat out unbelievable. Flat out unbelievable. He ended up shooting 17 for 32, 4 of 12 from 3, which isn't like it's not that 4 of 12 from 3 is not what you love, but it's not bad at all. Like he was just a monster. He was a flat out monster, could score at will. This is why I'm betting on Cleveland this year is because I think Donovan Mitchell has ascended to a new level. 
Like this guy in Utah, he was incredible. And we saw games where he put it all together. It was flat out incredible. Look at the bubble. He was unbelievable. Flat out unbelievable. Knew what he was doing. He was picking the defensive part. He was flat out ridiculous. And now in Cleveland, you can see he's put it all together again. Like he just looks on a different stratosphere. It's just difficult for defenses to stop. Boston has the number one defense. They're one of the best defenses in basketball, and they couldn't do anything against Donovan Mitchell. This is why I'm very much in on Cleveland, because they don't have just Donovan Mitchell. They also have Darius Garland, who he played great too. He was 12 for or yeah, 12 for 21 from the field, five for nine from three, and he had 29 points with nine assists. Like, I love how Garland just comes off screen and rolls and he's able to make plays off them. He just is. It's awesome. It's flat out awesome. And I love watching Garland play because he just plays so hard. And you can tell everybody on the team loves playing with him. This guy, really good player. I love him a lot. And you people might think I'm not too far in on Cleveland. And yes, Isaac Okori's performance did make me like an inch lower on them. But Mitchell and Garland put put me back up. Like those guys I know I can trust. And Mobley's just young, so I think he'll get up to that level. Okoru, he's got to play better. Flat out play better. Like, you know, four fouls, he wasn't that good. Dean Wade had to come in, and Lavert had to play a lot of minutes. I didn't think Lavert did too bad, but Lavert's got to show up on defense more. Um, I didn't think he did too bad on offense in this game. I mean, he shot five of 11 from, from the field. But, you know, like there's going to be have to be some guys to step up for Cleveland, and it's definitely going to have to be Isaac Okoru. Um, he did not play well in this game. He had four fouls, only ended up playing 16 minutes. Didn't look that good. Um, he's going to really have to step up. But if you guys think I'm out on Cleveland, I'm not out, out on Cleveland yet. I'll tell you when. And if if I am, because right now I'm riding with them. They looked awesome last night. And if I'm Boston, I'm still I'm still okay, but I'm still a little nervous because you guys should have won that game by 15 points. And Cleveland ended up making it a four-point game, which is unbelievable. So I gotta if I'm Boston, I gotta watch out for Cleveland. I still think that's a very good matchup that Cleveland can exploit. Because Al Horford's not going to play like that every game. I like Al Horford, but he's not going to play like that every game. So if you're Cleveland, you should be chilling. You should be all right. All right. Let's go through some of the standings. I want to talk about right now Milwaukee sitting at the one spot in the East. And they've been terrific lately. Flat out terrific. These guys have won. I think it's now 16 straight. They're unbelievable. And nobody can stop them. And I love Giannis. Um, I never used to. Uh, before this pod, before these podcasts, I used to always say, "Oh, there's something wrong with Giannis." And it was always just me trying to pick a hole in him. But because, like, I don't love guys that can't shoot. I just don't. Um, I never have. It's not my favorite guys, but this guy is just so impactful in so many different ways. And he's shown me that it doesn't matter that he can't shoot. It just doesn't. And he's terrific, flat out terrific. He ended up last night, they beat Orlando. He ended up with 31, seven and six. And Drew Holiday has been playing on another level for them too. He's been terrific. He had 23, four and nine last night in that Orlando game, but he's put his scoring up to a different level. And we already know what he brings on defense. He's one of the best um, guys on the perimeter on defense in the league. But to me, Chris Middleton's been dealing with a lot of injuries this year, and I still think he's a top-tier player when he's healthy. But to me, it goes Giannis, then Holiday now. And Holiday's not here. Holiday's here. Sorry, that was that was bad. If you're watching on YouTube, I had my hands up, and I put Holiday way too close to Giannis. But um, Holiday's... Very good to me. Probably should have been an all-star. He's been incredible this year. And, um, yeah. And then Brooke Lopez has played at a defensive player of the year level. He's been incredible this year. And 
I love ball. I, I or what am I talking about? I love Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee. Um, a cool thing that they've been doing is they used to give up the most corner threes in the NBA. They were they were notorious for it. They loved giving up corner threes. It was part of their defensive scheme. Now they've adjusted it, which I really love what Mike Budenholzer has done. He's adjusted it and he's made like they don't allow corner threes anymore. They really attack that corner three and they want you to take it into the paint so you can deal with Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they're still one of the best paint defenses doing that. It's incredible. Like the, the three point attempts, if you look at it from a couple of years back and you look at it now, um, they're, they're down, they're down, which I think actually helps Milwaukee's defense, especially against a team like Boston who can sometimes light it up from three, but Boston will shoot like 43s a game. And if you're giving corner threes to like Grant Williams all the time for Boston or Al Horford, who just showed you last in the game I talked about earlier that he can have nights where he goes crazy from three, it's just difficult. Al Horford actually had a game last year in the um, conference semifinal against Milwaukee where he just lit up, lit them up. So I think that adjustment was more for Boston because they actually lost to Boston last year in a seven game series. But I think that adjustment has really paid them dividends um, throughout this throughout this year. And ever since Chris Middleton's come back, ever since they've been healthy, they're the best team in basketball. I think Milwaukee should be the favorite in the NBA. Um, they're incredible. So I think I think to me it's a race between Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Boston in the East. Those are the three best teams to me. Um a lot of people tier it where they have Milwaukee, Boston, and then everybody else. To me, it's Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland right here, sneaking. They just need Mobley and Okoru to level them up just a little bit. That's the Eastern Conference. Let's talk about the Western Conference a little bit. Um, I thought I was going to do a short intro on the NBA, but I guess not. That's funny. Um, we're going to talk Lakers. So... I wa I ended up watching the Lakers and the Mavericks. I think that was that was Sunday. That was Sunday. I ended up watching that game. And LeBron, AD, and well, D'Lo was out that game. So it was Jared Vanderbilt. Were I mean, LeBron AD started out slow. Started out slow. The Mavs were hidden shots in this game. They were flat out money from the floor to start. And Luca was very good to start this game. Tim Hardaway was hitting threes out of his mind. Like there was a stat in the first half that was ridiculous where the Lakers were 0 for 15 from three and the Mavs were like seven of 11. And I was like, geez, this is ridiculous. The Mavs were like pulling away. They got up 27 in the second quarter. And then in the second half, the Lakers said, we're coming. We are flat out coming. And Jared Vanderbilt, yeah, I quoted Deion Sanders for you guys. But Jared Vanderbilt was unbelievable in this game. He ended up with 15 points, 17 rebounds, and he was just an animal, flat-out animal. I was telling you guys how much I loved him in the trade deadline podcast with Drew, and he was just flat-out incredible. He was getting offensive rebounds at will, and he was playing amazing defense. He was picking up Luka full court. LeBron actually started it in the second half. He picked up his guy full court. He picked up, I think he was guarding Kyrie at the time, and he picked him up full court. Then Vanderbilt got going and was all over Luka in the second half, flat out all over him. Luka actually had six turnovers in this game, and that was all forced by Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was ridiculous. He ended up with five steals in the game and was just unbelievable. Um, this was peak Lakers. Lakers actually came all the way back from 27 points and ended up winning game 111 to 108. And this was peak Lakers. Anthony Davis looked like the guy he looked like in 2020, where he was just a beast, hitting mid-range shots, being difficult to guard in the paint. He ended up with 30 points, 15 rebounds. He was just incredible. And LeBron was great too, 26, 8, and 3. But going into the fourth quarter, I'm not sure the exact time stamp, but – LeBron injures his ankle, his right ankle. Right as you're getting super excited about the Lakers, they're looking great. The team, team 
that's scary for everybody. And LeBron hurts his ankle. And this is a bad injury. It is. He's going to miss multiple weeks. And this is killer. Absolutely killer for their playoff hopes. Um, The Lakers currently sit. Let me pull it up real quick. They currently sit at 11. So that would be one game out of the plan. And it's bad. Like, LeBron's going to be out for a while, and they're going to have to figure out how to win without him. And D'Angelo Russell's been dealing with some injuries. Anthony Davis has been dealing with some injuries. But what's going to help them is winning without all all three of them, which they did last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, They didn't have Anthony Davis. They didn't have D'Angelo Russell. And they didn't have LeBron James. And they won 123 to 117. That is what you need. Dennis Schroeder is a guy that really stepped up for them. Troy Brown Jr., who I really like and I think is a solid 3 and D guy, not like one of the top-tier guys like Jared Vanderbilt, but he had a great game. He had 19 points. And those are games you need from people in order to win win big games, you know? Jared Vanderbilt didn't have the best game in this game, but it's like everybody else really stepped up, really stepped up. And the Thunder, they've been out without Shea for a while, which – they're falling off a little bit, which is helps the Lakers. Helps the Lakers. The Lakers just got to keep, keep going. They got to find it and get back in that playing mix. If they can just squeak a playing spot, and LeBron can get healthy, and Anthony Davis can get healthy, then they might be a playoff team, and they might give a team a scare. They might give a team a scare. I'm not saying that they're gonna go make the playoffs and make it to the championship. I don't think they're that good. I don't. I think LeBron is. Not the same LeBron that we've seen in a long time. He's still fantastic. But what's helping his scoring is that everybody's scoring at this level. I just saw a stat the other day that in 2011, there was 11 20-point scores, 20 points per game scores. This year, there's 45, 45. So it's a lot easier to score. Teams have figured out how to score. So to me... Lakers, you just got to squeak in the plan. You got to squeak in. You got to get healthy. Rest LeBron. Um, Anthony Davis, if you can play through some and you can sit some, that'd be great. Because And D'Angelo Russell, you got to get back. They need you. They need you. Because you're not going to play the Thunder every game because you have one of the most difficult schedules. Lakers do. So if I'm the Lakers, you got to just keep pushing. And then on the Mavs side of it, to me in this game, it really brought out a glaring weakness, which I think might like affect them in the in the playoffs, and that's big man play. Chris, uh, it's Christian Wood, yeah, Christian Wood. Duh. Um, Chris, Christian Wood was horrible. He wasn't good. He had fourteen and nine in this game, but Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis bullied him, bullied him, and you can't have that if you're the Mavs. You just can't like. They have to be better. Like Christian Wood has to be better. And Dwight Powell has to be better. Like these guys need to rebound because the Mavs can't rebound. It's very difficult for them. And you're not going to stop anybody on the defensive end. You're just not. So you can't go score 108. I mean, Kyrie, he had 21, 11, and 5, but he did not shoot the ball well. He did not. And Luca with 26, 9, and 5, it's a solid game, but. Again, not a Luka game, you know? And the Mavs, like, they just haven't looked good. They lost again to the Pacers the next game. And Kyrie took a bad bad step back three at the end of the game. They lost. I I said it before that I just wasn't sure that this was going to mix. And there's so many people that was like, oh, it looks so good. They're scoring so many points, blah, 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 blah. They can't defend. They don't have anybody to defend anymore. Dorian Finney-Smith's gone. That was your best wing defender by far. And the fact of the matter is, if the Pacers are scoring 124 points on you, and this is no knock on the Pacers because I love Tyrese Halliburton and I love some of the stuff they've done this year, but they've been falling off. They're not as good. So the fact of the matter is, you're one and four now with Luka and Kyrie. One and four. That's not good. It's just not. The Mavs need to figure something out. They just do because right now with the way they're playing, they cannot win in the playoffs. They can't. They can't. Um, I think Luka needs to step up as an off-ball mover 
I think that will help them because I think he's gotten in ways where he's just extremely lazy. I don't think it's good for him at all. And I also think that Kyrie needs to be really step up on the defensive end and really play a little harder there. And I also think your role players need to step up flat out. Tim Hardaway needs to become a better perimeter defender. Josh Green needs to step up. I think he's actually been playing well, though. I do like Josh Green. Um, but like Dwight Powell and Christian Wood, those guys need to become big men that get rebounds and can switch on the perimeter because that's what you need in the NBA now. Um, that's kind of my little rant about the Mavericks. And looking at the standings in the West, Denver has really pulled the pulled away in the one seed, and Memphis is getting behind. There's some news on John Morant that really stunned me. Apparently, he pointed a gun at a 17-year-old. That's a crazy story. I mean, it's probably going to get a suspension or something, but just crazy. There's been so much stuff happening with the John Morant um, pointing a gun. There's misdemeanor charges going at one of the top NFL prospects, Jalen Carter, and then the Alabama story that I'm going to get to in the next segment. But just so much stuff. It's like, I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about sports. I do. I just want to talk about sports. I want to talk about matchups. I want to get into that stuff. It's like, it's just ridiculous. It's flat out ridiculous. Um, I was talking with my mom the other day and I was like, what's going on with people my age with all this, all these stories and stuff. It's just crazy. Like I, I can't fathom it. I just can't fathom it. It's just rough, and, you know, if I had to say anything, it's like, figure it out. Just figure it out, you know? Um, I don't love talking about that stuff. I just don't. I don't. And as sports fans, we don't really want to hear it. We don't. You're you're some of our favorite players, okay? It shouldn't be that hard to do the right thing. Um. Yeah. No, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing. All right, I'm going to move on and talk more NBA. Uh, the Kings sit at the three seed. And I have not talked about Sacramento too much on this podcast, but I love the Kings so much. They're, Mike Brown has come in and to me is easily the coach of the year. Easily. He has transformed this franchise. And I mean transformed. They brought in Kevin Herter, who's been unbelievable. They move so much. And I love movement teams. I love motion. I love people that move. They do a cool thing where they put Herder at the bottom bottom of their offense. He'll run like the big spot. And then he can either get a screen, a down screen and come out off of it. Or he can set a back screen and get open off of that. And it's just confused defenses. It's been really weird and confusing because they're not used to guards lining up in that big spot. And Herter's just fantastic at reading what the defense is giving him and then figuring out something to get off of it. And De'Aaron Fox has been incredible. This guy really took a step up. I mean, you could tell that... People were like, what are you doing with the DeMontis Sabonis trade for Halliburton? And everybody's like, oh, my God, they lost that trade so much. I don't think they did because they're 10 times better. Sabonis and um, De'Aaron Fox work together. Their screen and roll is just unbelievable, flat out unbelievable. And, yes, you could say Tyrese Halliburton is probably going to end up a better player than Sabonis. Fine. But for the Kings, this style works. And – it also unlocked De'Aaron Fox because he wasn't as good with Halliburton because they were two mashing heads that were both very good point guards. And right now, um, I'm sure Tyrese Halliburton would say, I wish I was on a team that was in the playoffs. And guess what? The Kings are in the playoffs. They're very good. Kings are awesome. I love the Kings. Um, it's a great story. And they are legitimately a team that could make the second round. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, getting to the four seed, the Phoenix Suns, they actually had Kevin Durant last night, which is awesome. Flat out awesome. They beat Charlotte last night, 105 to 91. And Booker was incredible. 37.6 rebounds, seven assists. Uh, I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's Kevin Durant. He's back, blah, blah, blah. And Booker just took advantage of that because they weren't putting too much respect on his name. It just 
went crazy. And Durant had a great game, 23 points, six rebounds, two assists. He only played 27 minutes. They're they're taking it easy, and that's fine. If you're Phoenix, that's fine because you have a lot of guys that can really step up. And Aiden was incredible in this game, 16 and 16. I mean, I'm not going to take too much out of this because they're playing Charlotte. They're playing Charlotte. Like, Charlotte's not good. One of the worst teams in basketball right now. They've started winning a little bit. But LaMelo Ball was out in this game. And with LaMelo Ball, they could win a little bit because he's – I I think he's very good. Not a good defender, but very good player. Um, But I want to see Phoenix play a really talented team. Saw them against Milwaukee. That was Saturday. Or, no, that was Sunday. That was the game before. Um, I watched a little bit of that. And they looked solid. Like, Booker – I really like Booker. He's very good. Very good player. But – Milwaukee has been playing on a different level, flat out different level. And really, it's about the other guys stepping up for Phoenix a lot. And Chris Paul, man, he hasn't been shooting too well. In this game, he ended up two points, two points, two rebounds and 11 assists. It's just rough. He's had a lot of games where his scoring just hasn't really shown up. So Chris Paul, he's really going to have to step up in order for them to be the team, like, they're my finals pick. They're my NBA finals pick. I just think they're so talented and so good. So that's kind of like my little Phoenix take. I mean, it's a good win against uh, Charlotte. Um, but we're going to have to really see them step up in the next few games. They play Chicago next on Friday, which, I mean, that should be a win. Chicago is not the best team in the world, you know. But, um, yeah, they have some games coming up. They play at Dallas on Sunday at one o'clock and that'll be a game I'll tune into and that'll be a good game to kind of see where they're at also see where Dallas is at because I want to see Christian Wood play much better but yeah yeah all right that's going to wrap up the NBA portion of Jake's Takes podcast I'm gonna come back at you in a little bit we're gonna take a quick little break And I'm going to hit you with some college basketball next. All right. Let's talk college basketball. So we're going to talk about just some of the contenders I think are going to be huge parts in the college basketball world. And the first team I want to start with is Houston. And I think Houston's very good team. Uh, they're ranked number one in the country, so obviously they're very good. Um, I really like this team because they're different than a lot of college basketball teams we see normally. Um, most of the time, their main concern is the defense fend. Um, they're very, like, they're just a very odd type of team. Um, we've seen a lot of very good defenses and Things of, things of that nature, but we don't see teams, I don't know, like we don't see teams that do it like Houston. Um, in a basketball style where a lot of a lot of the time you can't be as physical as normal, Houston kind of defies the rules of that a little bit. They have a lot of wings that are just so talented on that end that are just very difficult to stop. And it starts with Jarris Walker. And this is a guy that a lot of NBA draft prospects or draft uh, scouts really like. He's very high on draft boards. I think the last mock draft, I saw him around six or seven. This guy's very good. He can switch. He can shoot a little bit. People love him. And he's just really good, really good defender, really good player. He's just that type of glue guy. And a lot of NBA teams, they're looking for guys that – a three and D, you know, can do that stuff. And Walker's a type of guy that can do that. And he really helps Houston. But their main threat in the college of basketball world is Marcus Sasser. And Marcus Sasser has been really good this year. Like really, really good. Um, the last their last game they played at Easter East Carolina. And he had 22 points, seven of 16 from the field, three of six from three. He's very good. Very good player. He can shoot lights out. And he's been their offensive engine. And they have a lot of other guys that can really help him out. Um, I think it's Terrence Martin. 
again, I'm still trying to learn college basketball on the fly because that's what you have to do in March. You got to learn on the fly and do all those things. I've been more focused on the Horizon League, my Oakland Grizzlies. But getting back to Houston, I really think they're one of the most talented teams in in college basketball, 100%. They're currently 27-2. and two. One of their only losses was to Alabama, who we'll get to in a second. But they're really good. Um, like ridiculous. And I love their coach. Their coach, I think, is Kelvin Sampson. He puts them in such great spots. And I love teams that are defensive teams. I just do. And, you know, I just think Houston's so talented. And they're going to be a team to watch out for in March Madness. All right. Let's get to – I want to talk Kansas a little bit. And I think Kansas is another team that really that really can be, you know, difficult to match up with when it comes to March Madness. Um, they start with Grady Dick, who he's also an NBA prospect. I think he's down in the 12-14 range, something like that, something of that nature. And he's very good. A uh, guy can shoot the lights out his last um, – I think they had a game before this, but they played uh, – or after this. But they played West Virginia, I think, on – that was this was Saturday. And Grady Dick had five threes, five of eight from three. He was five of ten from the field. His three-point shooting is really huge, huge for him. He ended up with 16 points. He had free throw in there. But um, he's a very talented offensive player. He cuts well. He can shoot the ball, lights out. Very good on the offensive end. The only problem with him that NBA scouts really look at is his defense. It's a little off. It's not the greatest thing in the world. But if you look at Kansas and you look at one player, you look at Jalen Wilson. And um, NBA scouts really like Grady Dick because he's young, can do a lot of things. He's got that wing body, and they're thinking maybe they can help him on the defensive end when it comes to it. But Jalen Wilson's the guy. He was – ridiculous in their run to the NCAA championship last year. And he's the guy to look out for. He didn't have the best game in this West Virginia game, but he is very talented, can score multiple ways. And he's a very good player, flat out really good. And just tough matchup, tough, tough matchup can shoot. I like him on the defensive end. I like him more than a lot of NBA scouts do because I actually do think he can switch and, like, can help teams. But, you know, I mean, he's probably going to end up, like, in the 20s in the NBA draft, something like that. But if you're looking at one guy and if you want to ride with one guy, like if you're thinking, oh, maybe Kansas can go back-to-back, you're riding with it because it's Jalen Wilson. He's a very good player, and I think it's a smart play. I do. I think it's pretty smart. All right. I want to talk about Alabama a little bit. They had a crazy game last night, I think it was. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Yeah, they played last night against Auburn. And it was an insane overtime game. Absolutely insane. Um, Brandon Miller is really the story when it comes to Alabama. Before I get into Alabama on the court, I talked about it a little bit earlier, um, talking about like the John Morant thing, but Brandon Miller also, there was a murder with an Alabama um, basketball player and Brandon Miller seemed to be attached to it a little bit. I think he brought uh, the guy the gun and Alabama has done nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. And it's just like, what the heck? You know, it, it just makes no sense. It's another one of those situations where you don't really want to talk about it on a sports podcast, but here I am talking about it. And it's a story because Brandon Miller is supposed to be the number three pick in the NBA draft. That's why it's a story. He's the top top ranked college basketball player. And, you know, it's just, it's just tough to watch. It's tough to watch, you know. Um, you don't want to see outside stories affecting sports. You just don't. You don't. And it keeps happening. It's happening now in the NBA draft. It's happening now in the NFL draft with Jalen Carter. Like, it's just tough. It's just tough. I don't really want to talk about it, so I'm going to move on to Alabama's play on the court. They beat Arkansas on Saturday with an 86-83 win. And they beat Auburn last night in an overtime game that I actually did not catch. Um, 
I regret not catching that game. But um, Brandon Miller is the story for Alabama. Guy's unbelievable. Really knows what he's doing. He is just terrific. And then they got other guys, too. Um, I'm looking at their roster. Give me a second here. Um, some of the main guys, Marcus Sears, they got Javon Quitterly as well. Quitterly is now coming off the bench a little bit. Um, he's been a big key piece for them for a couple years now. Very good shifty little guard. They have a couple nice bigs. I'm not going to say his name right. It's Badico, I think. Um, Brandon Miller does a great job of getting him involved in the screen and roll. He had a couple plays last night where he was very good at that. And Brandon Miller, this guy is the story. He's the story when you're picking Alabama. Like, he's just terrific, flat-out terrific. The one thing that's unbelievable with the stuff he's going through is uh, the next night after the murder situation and blah, 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 is um, he dropped 40 points, 40 points in South Carolina. It was really impressive. And NBA scouts were very impressed with that. But then there's also immaturity where he showed like he's in the um, handshake line and his handshake is to pat him down. And it's like, bro, seriously, you know, so there's a lot with Alabama. We just don't know, you know, but what we know about them on the court is that they know how to win games. They know how to win games. Um and against Arkansas on Saturday, Arkansas is a very good team. I like them. Eric Musselman, great coach. Nate Oates for Alabama is a great coach. I love Nate Oates. Um, his reputation hurt just a little bit with this situation. But against Arkansas, they shot three for 22 from three and still ended up winning the game, which I think was very impressive. I want to talk about Alabama, what they do a little bit. I really like Alabama. I was all in on them before this situation. I was all in, all in. And I don't know anymore. I just don't. But I want to talk about Alabama, um, what they run and stuff. So they – I watched a video on this. It was uh, – what's it called? I think it's B-Ball Vision, something like that. But he's like a former GA, and he runs this really good YouTube account that I really like. But um, he was talking about how – in Alabama's practices, they have like a Houston spot and they really run their offense kind of based on the Houston Rockets did a few years ago when the Rockets had James Harden, Chris Paul and all those guys. And the Houston spot is in the wings and is located like further out from the three point line and even further out from the NBA three point line. And it's basically their spacing spots. So they'll have those guys moved out in spacing and then they'll have guys in the corners and it just really allows them. So um, when you catch it from the Houston spot, you're going forward and you're able to shoot if you're going forward. And it's just a lot more rhythm and stuff that helps. And then there's also guys like Quitterly and Brandon Miller that can shoot it from the Houston spot. That really helps the spacing. And this spacing really allows them to shoot more threes and more threes effectively to like step in and shoot the threes. And it also allows them to get to the rim more. Like, it's a lot easier for Quitterly, who has an unbelievable handle. I really like Quitterly. I don't really know why he's coming off the bench. But it's a lot easier for Quitterly, to, who has a great handle, to get past people when they got four guys spaced out on the um, – spaced out near the three-point line. Or you got a guy in the dunker spot that can help you there. So I think Mama does a great job with that, with that spacing. And they're one of the top teams in not shooting long twos. They shoot 0.5, something like that, long twos per game. I think I have the stat right, but that was on uh, the channel as well. So they just do an unbelievable job, flat-out unbelievable job. Alabama, I think they're very good. I think they're a very tough team to handle in the future. All right, so let me get to – Sorry, I'm dealing with a little bit of allergies today. But I'm going to get to – I want to talk about Kansas State a little bit because I think Kansas State is a very difficult team in the Big 12. Um, They're good, man. They're flat out good. Keontae George – um, I think it's Keontae George. Nope, Keontae George is the guy at uh, Baylor. Again, 
Remember, I'm trying to get these. I had the right name. It's Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson came from Florida, and he's the guy that collapsed at Florida, and they weren't sure if he could play again. So um, he transferred to Kansas State, and he's been terrific this year. He's probably one of their better players, and Kansas State has turned into a very big contender. I actually have them coming out of my Big 12 tournament, even over Kansas. Um, they're very good. They're very good. They got switchable guys. They're tough. They're tough. I easily think the Big 12 is the best conference because they have Baylor, they have Kansas State, and they have Kansas. I'm not going to get to Baylor too much because Baylor, you know what you know what to expect. They won the championship two years ago. The Big 12 has the last two champions. That's why they're easily the best conference. The basketball is just terrific here. Absolutely terrific. And Kansas State has figured something out. They're looking very good. They got switchable guys. I really like Marcus Noel. He's very good. And they're I think this was their last game, but they played at Oklahoma State, and Noel had 22 points. Uh, Johnson, Keontae Johnson had 17 points. And Kansas State's terrific. Kansas State, to me, is another one of these contenders that are very good. Um, I want to talk about the Big Ten a little bit. Less, um, Purdue had a tough loss to um, Indiana. And to me, this is just a bad matchup for Purdue because Indiana shows up now Tuesday night and they got blown out by Iowa. And it's just like, you know, I don't really know what to expect from the Big Ten. And Northwestern is one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Um, Michigan's been up and down. Michigan State's been up and down. And Purdue's kind of the story. They already clinched the Big Ten, and they're probably the best team, but they got two freshman guards. Like, I love Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. Don't get me wrong. I love them. But it's going to be difficult to trust them down the stretch. And Purdue's always been known to blow something in March Madness. So, like, we just don't know with Purdue. We don't. Um, that's why, to me, it would be a lot better to trust, like, a Big 12 team, which is why I like Kansas State, Baylor. I didn't even mention Texas. Been terrific. Weird situation there because they lost their coach, and they've still been terrific. Chris Beard. I loved Chris Beard, but another horrible situation. There's been so many out-of-sports situations. I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, it's just this is a lot. And then if you look at the ACC, probably the two teams would be Virginia and Miami. And I really like Virginia this year, but they've had their ups and downs. They have. And, you know, it's just hard to find a team. That's why, to me, the three main ones in the top five would probably be Houston, throw in Kansas, and you throw in Alabama. Those are the three teams to me in the top five. In the Big East, there are some teams that I really like. I like Xavier a lot. I also like Marquette. Marquette's been terrific. And, you know, like, there's some good teams. Creighton's also very good. UConn. The Big East, to me, is very good as well. Um, if I had to rank the conferences, I'd probably go Big 12, then SEC, and then, like, Big East and Big Ten close. Um, Big Ten's really loaded, but, like, there's not that many ranked teams when you look at it. It's like Indiana, Purdue, uh, Northwestern was ranked for a little bit. It's just not too much there. And then if you look at the Pac-12, it's probably UCLA, who I didn't talk about too much. But UCLA with Jaime Jaquez. Um, let's see. Let's see who else they got. Um, yeah, no, Amari Bailey from uh, Sierra Canyon, who was one of the top recruits there. Um, they're very good. Very good. I think UCLA is definitely up there too. But I feel like tier one to me, it's Alabama, Kansas, and you got Houston. Those are that's tier one right there. And then to me, it'd probably be like UCLA, Virginia, Purdue, those teams, those type of teams in tier two. Um, that's my kind of tier thing. And again, We'll see what happens here with the college basketball world because anything can happen. Um, if I'm looking at conference tournaments, Big Ten to me, wide open. I would pick one of those teams in the top four. I actually picked 
Northwestern in my uh, conference tournament pick them. And that was just more of a fun pick for me. But to me, the Big Ten's open. It just is. I don't know if Purdue can win both. Um, and I don't know about Indiana either. Like, Indiana's just on and off. Like, they have a great matchup with Purdue, and they've definitely figured something out there. But, like, then you lose at home to Iowa by 30 points. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what should I expect from you, you know? And then, like, Houston's going to win their conference easy. I think Bama will end up winning the SEC because Bama's just torn it apart, you know? If if not Bama, I like Tennessee from the SEC as well. I think Tennessee's a very good, very good team. They got Vescovy. They also got uh, Ziegler. Ziegler. Ziegler is a very good point guard. I like Ziegler a lot. Very quick. You know, he makes good decisions. Very good college point guard. I like him a lot. Um, so Tennessee would be a team to watch for me in the SEC. And if we're looking at the Big 12, I actually have Kansas State out of the Big 12. I like Kansas State that much. I think they're very good. And you could pick like four teams from the Big 12. I like Baylor. I like Kansas. I like Kansas State. I also like um, Texas. And then I wouldn't be even be shocked if you picked someone else. Like, they're Big 12 stacked to me. Absolutely stacked. Um, that's kind of my little college basketball talk. Again, I haven't been following it as much, but again, now it's March. So you got to talk about it. Um, I'm planning to do a big little March Madness talk for uh, when the brackets come out. We'll go through each game trying to bring guests and it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun um yeah no that's gonna wrap it up for jake's takes for today episode 10 basketball talk big basketball talk it was a lot of fun um that's crazy that we're on episode 10 we just finished that that's nuts but i'm gonna wrap it up for today thank you all for joining jake's takes for for this episode and please remember to follow the Instagram. Um, it's gonna this podcast is now gonna be available. I have new new platforms. We got Spotify, as you know, we got Apple Podcasts, and we also got iHeartRadio. Those three are gonna be available on all three in audio form. And then video form is available on YouTube. So go subscribe to all of those, go follow all those channels and whatever, whatever's best for you. You can listen to the podcast. You can watch the podcast, please. I don't care. Just do it. Be awesome. Be awesome. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you all for joining me. And until next time, peace. Peace.